An example of what so-called police reform has taken place in, in Washington state with House Bill 1054, you know, coming into law after Jay Inslee signed it, I believe it was uh, last weekend or very recently. And I've got um, issues with this as if anybody who's seen this show already, we I've already talked about this, but just to recap, this is a police reform bill. And here's some of the items um, that they put into this bill. And, and then we're gonna get into how it's affecting law enforcement in Washington. So it limits the use of tear gas, bans chokeholds, neck restraints, and this is the big one that we'll get into, restricts vehicle pursuits and use of forts to only probable cause instead of reasonable suspicion, suspicion which is the national standard, uh, gets rid of no-knock warrants, makes it easier to decertify officers, creates a new state agency to investigate use of force, uh, deadly use of force, makes it easier to sue individual officers, requires police to exhaust appropriate de-escalation tactics, and restricts military-grade weapons, which I've heard has already taken out the beanbag, which is a, a great, less lethal tool. Um, we're seeing reports out of Washington in numerous agencies over the last week or two, whatever it's been, uh, you know, departments choosing not to track murder suspects, not to engage in pursuits. A lot of fallout from this law. I have uh, Snohomish Sheriff Adam Fortney with me today. Um, he's been here on the show before. He, he's an outstanding constitutional sheriff who stood up to, to the governor and re refused to enforce mask mandates at the beginning of the pandemic. So I asked him here today to talk and just get his thoughts on how is this bill going to affect your department and law enforcement in the state in general? Ooh, that's a loaded question. How long do you have? So. First, first and foremost, it took, so they passed the law a couple months ago. We roughly have 60 days to figure it's 13 police accountability bills that passed and were signed by the governor. So we have this massive undertaking. There's laws that conflict with each other and there's things, there's new definitions for law enforcement that aren't defined. There's new, new work that aren't defined in the law. So we spent the last two months trying to figure it out. And when I say us, I mean the law enforcement community statewide and that's with attorneys advice and everything else. And so we had, like I said, roughly 60 days. They gave the attorney general um, in this same stretch of laws to come up with what they would call a model use of force policy. He has a year to figure one policy out. We had 60 days to figure what all this new legislation meant so we could put men and women on the street to actually do the job and comply with it because we have to. It's state law. That was a massive undertaking, number one. We have done that. Uh, we went out, I think, two Wednesdays ago, and uh, we did an in-person training. So we had command staff, we had a live audience, and then people couldn't be there. It was virtual. So I want them to hear from me. Um, and listen, this is not a time in law enforcement where we could come in front of our people and say, hey, it's sunny and 70, and we've been through this before, and we'll get through it. There are so many unknowns still. We had to really walk that line. I try to be really positive. I still stand behind this profession. It's an honorable profession but you can't try to blow smoke with, with these guys and gals that are in the room either. You had to be real. So anyway, that was very difficult to get through, but we did it. So we basically came down to, to sum it all up, uh, respond and assess for call response, right? Because what has changed, like you said, use of force. There's, they changed the use of force and when we can use it to, to make an arrest or effect an arrest. And that's two separate bullet points in the law. No one knows what the difference is. What's the difference between make an arrest and effect an arrest? We still don't know and we had two months to study it. So you can still protect yourself or protect somebody else. The key word is imminent bodily injury. 
So that's interpreted differently all across the state. I'm, I take that to mean if we're on a call, someone raises their fist, okay, we can step in. So we can still do that. Um, and the third one is uh, if somebody is escaping, but don't get fooled by the word. It's a legal term in our law up here. It's not somebody runs away from the police. We can grab them. We can no longer do that, believe it or not. Um, and, and so those are the only times we can use force. One of the biggest impacts is, you know, I think law enforcement in the last 18 months have worked really hard in the area of people that are in a mental health crisis. Um, I, hey, look, if law enforcement could get out of that business, I'd sign me up today, okay? I don't see that pathway yet, but I'm all ears if someone has that. And so clearly the legislature, and I would say the activists and the legislature to a, a certain extent don't want us involved in that stuff. That's the reason um, that we can't use force anymore. So three weeks ago, if we go to suicidal call, someone in crisis, something like that, you know, 99.9% .9 of the time, there, there, there isn't a use of force. We de-escalate it, we talk them down and all that kind of things. But you do use force every now and then, and it's usually a very minimal amount of force. Taking somebody's arm, something like that. They have eliminated that for police officers all over the state of Washington. And so I, let me give you one example, and this is our own agency from Sunday afternoon. Out in South, in South County, it's our most populated precinct, extremely busy down there. They go to a person, a family calls in for their adult son in a mental health crisis. Okay. By the time the police get there, an aid car gets there. Um, and again, we are still responding. What has changed is what we can do when we get there. That's a very important distinction. And uh, so the guy is gone. Uh, the aid car finds him just laying down in the bed of somebody else's pickup, right? Kind of a weird situation, but it hasn't crossed that threshold of imminent bodily injury yet. We can't go hands-on with this guy. Law enforcement surrounds the, we're, we're doing all, everything we do every day. Talk him down, hey, you need some help. Offering us all we're there to do, right? Um, determines between the aid crew and the law enforcement that's, that's on the scene is that you know they have enough to involuntary commit this guy. He needs help, okay? We still can't use force though. Even though we've made that decision, we have to talk him into the, the, the aid car. Well, he gets up and bolts, okay? We can't. I, I'm not saying this to be dramatic, Ray. I'm not. We can't go hands-on with the guy at that point because all he's doing is running through the neighborhood. There's no imminent bodily injury to anybody. But he starts jumping fences, going through backyards. He's in the woods. We're not chasing him at this point because we can't grab him and use force. This is, this is the impact that, that a lot of people, not everybody, but some people are missing, and that's the impact to the community. Because what happens is a few minutes goes by, this guy's running through a residential area now, going into other people's property. He lost most of his clothing. He's almost naked. Again, he's a person in crisis. I feel for the guy. I wish we could have got him help when he was in the pickup truck. Instead, he goes into somebody else's house. Okay. That's a big deal no matter what part of the world you're in when you're going into somebody else's house. A man and his family are in there. The family has to hide upstairs in a bedroom because they're in such fear. And the guy holds this person that's in a mental health crisis at knife point until the police get there again to deal with him. Now, thank the good Lord that that worked out. Nobody got hurt or anything like that. And, and, but my point is that family, that man should not have had to help anybody at knife point. Law enforcement was set up and always has been historically to deal with that when he was in the back of the pickup. Now, what would you rather see? A person running around a residential neighborhood in a mental health crisis, shedding his clothes as he goes, okay? Or law enforcement being able to use the least amount of force necessary, minimal force, when he was at the pickup 
to say, sorry, young man, but you know what? We've developed enough here. You're gonna have to go to the hospital and get some, get some, get some treatment, get some help. I mean, forget law enforcement and that what is better for the community? What is better for that person in crisis? And, and, you know, we got these, these, they're a very loud vocal minority up here that say, see, it works great, right? He, no, no use of force. You guys didn't have to tackle him. And, you know, they accuse us of all sorts of crazy stuff. And I'm like, no, what about the victim that we, I won't say we, these new laws just created by allowing this person in crisis to run around a neighborhood and enter someone else's home. That could have been much more tragic, but so we're lucky, but that's the example of what we're in. We can't use force in that scenario. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a great example of showing the unintended consequences of what bills like this happen when they don't think them completely through. It's it's one of these things where, you know, the, the layman will look at these things that I read off that are in these these bills and, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that that sounds like, yeah, we don't want the cops to beat up, you know, mentally ill people or people in crisis. Yeah, those, those things are all great. But when you actually put them in play on the streets and see what happens to real people, I mean, how many people are going to get hurt J just from people in crisis on the mental health side? Having to wait until someone's in imminent danger to take action is, is not a, a winning strategy at, at all. And then you have the other side of it on the crime side. So, you know, for people to understand this at home, if you're not a cop, say a black and white rolls down the street and somebody starts running, just, just taking off or they're matching a description from a crime and they run and take off or you try to lawfully, you know, detain someone for an investigation and they take off, they're gone. Those people are running down the street, free to cause whatever crime that they're going to go out and commit. And the, the worst part of that is I guarantee all the crooks know this law already. They know what they can get away with. Um, you know, they know um, wh what they the cops can't do to get them anymore. So, I mean, what are you going to do about it? Like, I mean, are you guys getting together in law enforcement? Like, is there something in plan to, to fix this? Like, is there anybody talking about changing this? Because it's, I mean, this has been two or three weeks and, and there's already horrible stories. It's just going to get worse. Yeah, it's been eight days and there are stories all over the state of Washington, I, all, all over. I, they're actually, they're, they're, I am worried exactly what you said. I am worried that somebody is going to get hurt and killed. The example I gave with the homeowner, man, that, that that's worst case scenario. We're just fortunate it worked out, right? How long are we going to bank on this? This is the unfortunate part. Law, yes, law enforcement is talking about this. Every, it's been a topic of discussion in my life for ever since they passed these bills. It will continue to be, even though they're, they're, we have now implemented them, is that we can't change it. It's, it's state law passed by the legislature. And what's really disappointing to me, and I'll even be a little bit nice to the legislature, even though sometimes I don't want to be anymore, is they're so quiet right now. They're, they're basically in hiding, in my opinion. And where are the legislators in Snohomish County? I know they know these examples because we have a huge following on our social media and these politicians pay attention to it. I just want to hear from them, not even in a confrontational way, right? Just have a civilized conversation. I want to hear now that they pass this stuff, they are responsible for it. I want to know why is it okay with them that law enforcement can't maybe grab somebody's arm and take them into custody versus running around a neighborhood and entering someone's home and the homeowner having to take care of business. I just want to know, why, why are they okay with that? But it's eerily quiet up here in Snohomish County. They're not talking about it. I don't know what their plan is. I don't claim to be in the minds of these politicians who, who crafted these laws, 
Um, and, and listen, there's a conversation to be had if the cops can do the job better. I mean, it is always changing in, in the world we live in and, and, and doing business. You know, you, you mentioned pursuits too, and, and we allow pursuits still, not for anything and everything, but I, sometimes people need to be chased. <laughs> they just do, okay? And that person needs to go to jail that night. Um, they have taken that away from law enforcement to where, you know, and, and the words are deceiving because it says, you know, we can still chase if there's probable cause for a violent offense, right? That sounds like some pursuit policies you'd see across the nation, right? But when you get into the definitions of violent offense, it was already defined in our law. We're talking the major stuff. And then the key word with pursuits is we went from reasonable suspicion, which is, you know, something just happened. You know, that's the truck that did it. I'm just not quite sure what I have yet. We used to be able to chase for that. If you say fleeing the scene of an armed robbery, okay? They changed that threshold to probable cause. Now, probable cause is still kind of a middle of the road standard, you know, typically said 51%. But probable cause is you've arrived on scene or at least made phone contact. You've confirmed what crime you've had and you've confirmed probably who's responsible for that crime. You can't do that while you're responding to a call. You, it's impossible. So what they've done with pursuits, it's just, and then limited only to like the most violent offenses that, that include, we can't chase for any domestic violence crimes real quick. If you just got it. So we just had one, two counties to the North. We had a, an estranged a spouse, if you will. And uh, we didn't, this is a different County uh, threatening to kill um, his other half, right? Armed with a gun, threatening to kick down her door and kill her in front of her children. Okay, develop probable cause in our state. That's called harassment threats to kill. Okay, so we have probable cause and all that. That does not fit under the new legislation for a vehicle pursuit. So what happens? The police are doing their job and going out to find this guy. They find him. He's in a car. He drives off, throws the gun, which they didn't know at the time. They find it later on the side of the road. Okay, they, they pull over and stop. They, this guy is telling in a domestic violence situation, he is gonna show up and kill her in front of these children. The police find him, he drives away from them. That's insane, right? I don't care who you are. I don't care what position of pursuits policy anyone is on. We need to be able to, at least if it's reasonable, make a decision at that time, the police should be able to make that decision and what is right for their community if they're gonna chase that guy or not. And one more thing on that case, he was found the next day to buy another gun and got deputies another count found him that threat but it should have been taken care of the night before this legislation is creating more victims than it's trying to help and it's it's disturbing essentially they've taken away your investigation so now this the standard of probable cause until you can like you said you can't confirm a crime you can't do this like because you have to get out and talk to people you have to find you have to talk to reporting parties you have to develop information not just from the dispatch box that tells you that you know what's going on. It, this is a disaster. Um, I, I hope that they do something. I'm hoping that the community is loud and and, and very you know active when it comes to this. I, I don't know if you're seeing that yet. I hope you do, but um, it, it's a disaster. I, I feel bad for the people of Washington because they're the you know ultimately the, it's going to be frustrating for for deputies. You know it's going to be frustrating for law enforcement. They want to go do the right thing but they're not going to be the ones that are the victims. It's the community. It's, it's people who live there who will absolutely become victims. That person broke into the wrong house. The, 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 the crisis person who ran, there's a lot of homes that they would be dead if they ran into like with the different gun owners and everything else. And not only is that life taken, didn't have to be, but 
that person has to live with killing somebody that they shouldn't have. Like this, this right. is a mess. So you're creating more victims. Absolutely. It's not okay. Uh, it's up to the legislature to change it. We'll deal with it the best we can. Um, and you're right. The impact on the deputies, you know, the activist community says, oh, it's sour grapes. You guys just have police accountability laws and you don't like it. No, I am worried about that homeowner that I described to you. Why aren't they worried about him? Not only that, what about the person in crisis? That examples, it's legit. It's right on. We could have helped that person. He got help that day. Then the police are gone. We're out of the picture. The mental health experts can take over from there. Instead, we created another victim. It, it's, it, it's not okay. I don't see it changing, at least until the next session. I hope the community gets on board. I'm out in the community a lot. And over the last couple months, every single person I came across, number one, they had no idea about these new laws. Okay? And it's just not. It's done in Olympia, you know, our state capital. It was all virtual. It wasn't in person. And, and, and they pass them. The governor signs them. And then so we're kind of like reacting to what happened when the community finds out how our hands are tied now, they are very frustrated. But the activist community also knows we're regular folks trying to raise family and get our kids there, get our kids here, you know, go about our lives. It's very difficult to get a massive undertaking to change laws of this type. Do you know what I'm saying? People are just busy with stuff, but people do care about public safety in the state. I'll give them that. So there is there people are opening their eyes. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Sheriff Fortney. We appreciate it. And, uh, you know, keep putting that information. I think the best thing you could do, like for, for my my two cents of advice is just keep the, the community informed of these kinds of incidents. Yep. And, and and we'll keep covering it as well. And I, and I know there's a lot of in on, you know, on the truthful side of media that will probably continue to cover it as well. So thank you very much. And uh, I'm hoping that there's a quick change as well. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the time. Nearly every day, I'm asked whether or not our vest will stop multiple hits. This is the Safe Life Defense Multi-Threat Armor System. I hope this answers your question.